children. I'm reading this evening from Acts chapter 2, and it is a passage of Scripture that is very, I'll say familiar, but it's very special to us. Acts chapter 2, and uh, we're going to read verses 36 through 40. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart, and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call and with many other words did he testify and exhort them saying save yourselves from this untoward generation and i want to concentrate our attention on the uh, 37th verse that says now when they heard this they were pricked in their heart and said unto peter to the rest of the apostles men and brethren and here's what i'd like to talk to you about what shall we do what shall we do? Amen. What shall we do? Can we just ask the Lord to bless his word tonight as we endeavor to, to take part in it? God, I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for the gathering of your people. I thank you for your word that is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving and into your courts with praise. You are holy. You are the most high and lofty one. And we are humbled to be in your presence and grateful grateful unto you who are worthy to be praised and we give you all the glory and the honor in jesus name everybody said amen. amen and amen god bless you you may remain seated amen what shall we do we've been talking a lot uh in the last several weeks um wednesday nights and even this past sunday we talked a lot about uh how that uh, this, for instance i'll just recap a little bit of sunday uh, we talked about the fact that it is a faith. It, the righteousness of the law, it, salvation, it is of faith. And the reason that it is of faith is that it might be by grace. So if we could fit that into just a quick summary, what we're saying is, is that it is so important that salvation and the keeping of God's perfect law, that that is done in the context of faith so that you can legitimately say it was by grace that you are saved through faith. Uh, it cannot be because of, of what you believe you have accomplished because our faith is not in what we accomplish. Our faith is in what he has accomplished. That is our faith. The victory that Jesus won for us, our faith is in him. And it is so that it might be by grace, okay? And we talked about the fact that grace is, is actually a, a, a word that, that would also be the word gracious or graciousness. And it has to do with stooping down, particularly a superior stooping down to a subordinate, if you please. And that's what God did. He stooped down. That is, that is the antithesis of everything uh, that is to happen in, in the... In the in the real uh, broader context of what should be, all things that are lower should be elevated. That's the great nobility is when, when things that are lower are elevated. And yet, in this case, God who is above all, God who is most high, God who is high and lofty, stooped himself to those of us who are in a low estate and lifted us. It's amazing. That's the grace of God. And so, yes, it, it's, it's something even different than his mercy. Now, his mercy is amazing, but, but mercy comes into play in the face of judgment, and it rejoices against judgment. Mercy operates when judgment is about to fall, and, and mercy steps in. So, yes, there is mercy in grace, but grace is far and above, uh, beyond even the, the idea of mercy. It has to do with the great God of heaven becoming like us to lift us out of the despair we had gotten ourselves into. And it's an amazing concept. So, so when we talk about this, uh, we, we, we look at a passage like what we just read. And of course, this is the great uh, 
Acts chapter 2, plan of salvation. Uh, if you're uh, apostolic Pentecostal and you are, amen, uh, I want you to get used to that terminology, the plan of salvation. God has a plan of salvation. And it's not to be uh, lackadaisical. It's not to be happenstantial. It's not to be debatable. It is spelled out clearly in the word of the Lord. And that came on the, in the context of this question, what shall we do? Now, this, of course, was taking place on the day of uh, Pentecost. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind filled all the house where they were sitting, appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, sat upon each of them. They were all filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. There was a devout, a gathering of devout Jews out of every nation under heaven that gathered together in the upper room and they were mesmerized by this speaking in tongues they were observing. They saw them speak with tongues and they said, what meaneth this? Amen. I heard a preacher say, there will never be a what shall we do until there's a what meaneth this. And we cannot have the kind of services where everything here is explainable to the world. There has to be something here that piques their curiosity, that piques their interest. We are not like every other church. We just are not. There, there are things here that are going to be different than what they are used to. And that's what happened on the day of Pentecost. They looked around. They thought they were drunk. Uh, a group of them did. But there was one group that said, what meaneth this? Or what does this mean? And then there was a group that said, I know exactly what this means. They're drunk. They're intoxicated. So you have two groups of people. You have a group of people that spoke multiple languages and they heard the languages wherein they were born being spoken, and they said, I don't know how to explain this, but these men who are Galileans, they're speaking languages wherein we were born, and, and we know where they come from. They're Galileans, they don't know these languages, and yet here they are fluently speaking in other tongues. What does this mean? Then the group that didn't speak multiple languages thought it was just babbling. They said, these men are drunk, they're filled with new wine. Peter stands up with the 11, the other apostles, and answers both questions. The, or the One accusation, the other question. He responds to those who said they're drunk, and he says this, these men are not drunk, as you suppose. Seeing it is but the third hour of the day, then he looks at the crowd that asked the question, what does this mean? And he says to them, this are you ready? He's getting ready to answer the question of what is this? This is that. And he points them all the way back to an old prophecy by the prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2 who said, It shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, your old men shall dream dreams, your young men shall see visions. Peter is speaking to these, they were Jews, so they would be familiar with that prophecy of Joel, the prophet. His name was Joel, mine's Joel, depending on who you ask. Some people think, I'm Joel. I'm answer to both of them. So he points them back to this old prophecy that they would be familiar with and says, this is what he was talking about. And you're watching the fulfillment of this prophecy happen in front of your eyes. And proceeded to preach to them about the crucifixion of Jesus. And he explained to them that the crucifixion and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus were all foretold by Old Testament prophets, particularly the psalmist David. And he pointed out that when David would say things like, thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou, thou, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption, he said David was not just speaking of himself, but he was speaking of Jesus to come. And that's what you have to understand about the Old Testament. The Old Testament scriptures are all testifying of Jesus. 
And Peter is illustrating this on the day of Pentecost. And he preaches Jesus crucified. He preaches Jesus buried. He preaches Jesus resurrected from the dead. And he preaches Jesus life, death, burial, resurrection so thoroughly that it, it, he, and boldly, at one point he said, you have crucified him. You have taken him and by wicked hands, you have crucified him and slain him, hung him up on a tree and crucified him. And then he explained to them that the, he said, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that this same Jesus whom you have crucified, God hath made him both Lord and Christ. And that was it. When, when he made that statement, it came to a head. It came to a boiling point. And those that were standing there hearing this, this is what they, this, you know, we can read that and say, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter, men and brethren, what shall we do? And that's not what happened. No, no, no. They had just been told that the Messiah the long-awaited Savior of the world has come and you killed him. The kingdom has come and you slammed the door shut in his face. You murdered him. You murdered him. You did it. You did it. He's got his finger in their face. Now, folks, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart means their heart was ripped open. All hope was lost. They were devastated. Their heart was rent. And they said, what do we do? What do we do? What, 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 it's, it, it, there's no hope. What shall we do? What shall we do? That was the question. Because they had their chance and they missed it. That's when Peter said unto them. I, I, I think, you know, that great verse, Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. We take for granted that everybody knows it, okay? I try to quote it in almost every message I preach because it is the plan of God's salvation. And I want you to be able to wake up in the middle of the night quoting it. And, and one of the most important words in all of it is the very first word, then. There was a point in time where Peter spoke this plan of salvation and it was when their heart was pricked. It's when their heart was rent open and they asked the question, men and brethren, what shall we do? That is the moment when Peter said, oh, hallelujah. Every one of these words are so important. Even the fact that it was Peter preaching is amazing because of the fact that he had denied Christ and he understood what it meant to disappoint the Lord, to walk away from the Lord. And, and he did walk away from the Lord. In his denial of Christ, he, there, were, there was a moment where he was denying that he was who they thought he was. But then there was a denial where he literally denied him. As in, yeah, maybe I knew him, but I don't want anything to do with him anymore. So this denial, was in, it wasn't the same denial each time. It was, it was a denial that, no, 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 you got the wrong guy, but it evolved into, all right, fine, but I don't want anything to do with him now. He ran from him. He walked away from him. That's why we never give up on people who walk away from the things of God. They could be one of the greatest preachers to deliver the gospel to those who are lost. Amen. Hallelujah. Some of your greatest testimonies came after you walked away from God. I'm not telling you to walk away from God. In fact, I'll do everything I can to keep you from walking away with God. But if you're out there, come on back and let God give you a fresh anointing. Hallelujah. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and I want to talk to you about this fact that even though it is based on what Jesus did, there was something they had to do. What shall we do was the question. And that's a legitimate question and it was the right question to ask. And Peter did not redirect their question. It would have been an ample opportunity if they weren't to do anything. In fact, in fact, you, you really gotta 
perk your ears. You've got to, you've got to lean in on what he's saying because he's about to declare the answer to this question for the first time in the new covenant. Jesus has been crucified, buried, and raised from the dead. And what Peter is about to say, ladies and gentlemen, is absolutely going to establish the precedent for what we understand about people being saved, about people re-entering the kingdom, about people making peace with God. And so, this is it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, the reason I call this what shall we do is because I think that there is a, a prevailing thought outside the apostolic understanding of the scriptures that makes people think that because Jesus did it and because of the work of Jesus and that is what is efficacious for salvation, that you don't have to do anything. That is untrue and that is not biblical. Now, it is true that what Jesus did, that's what gives us our salvation. We, we, can't, we can't get this mixed up. What Jesus did is what gives us salvation. Okay? That doesn't mean that we don't need to repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and receive the Holy Ghost. We absolutely must. What shall we do? Repent and be baptized, receive the Holy Ghost. But, but what makes that effectual is the work Jesus did. So let's, let me just try to illustrate what I'm trying to say. Let's just play pretend that God was never manifest in the flesh, that God was never come down into the world as, as man and, and that Jesus never walked the face of the earth, that Jesus was not obedient in all things and that he never did, that he never did go to the cross so he never did die the death of the transgressor being an innocent man tempted in all points as we are tempted yet without sin but made to be sin. Let's just act like none of that ever happened. Okay, if that never happened, you could stop a sinful behavior or repent and you could go get in these waters and be baptized in Jesus' name and it won't do you any good. You could go through the very same motions, but if Jesus hadn't done what he did, none of those motions will help you. But because of what Jesus did, when you repent from your sins and turn from your sinful behavior and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, now something happens in your life. Your sins are washed away by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. But don't ever mistake why that is. It is because of what Jesus did. And yet what he did is not applied to your life until you're obedient to his word. Glory. Some people say, well, Jesus did it, so I don't have to do anything. Other people say, it's because of what I did. That No, 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 I want you to know it takes both. It takes what Jesus did, and then you have to identify with what Jesus did. How many that have been baptized in Jesus' name are grateful you've been down in the water, washed in the blood? How many that have repented of your sins are grateful for the day that you turned your back on that sinful lifestyle and walked in the way, the glory land way, the bright and shining way? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Repentance. I cannot overestimate to you the value of repentance. I cannot overestimate the value of repentance. In fact, I will tell you that whatever it is that you are facing in this life, whatever you are going through, whatever you're dealing with, I'm going to give you a word that will help you with whatever you're dealing with. Repent. Repent. I'm going to tell you that if you will do that, that is going to help immediately with what you're facing and what you're going through. Repent. Praise God. Turn, what does that mean? Turn away. Turn your back on sin. And we've talked about this before, but I want, to, <clears throat> I want to make sure we really understand it. You, I don't mean just be remorseful for what you've done. I don't mean just be feeling sorry for what you did. I mean repent. You can, you can repent and never shed a tear. 
and you can shed tears and never repent. In fact, it can be argued that sometimes you can, you can come and shed tears and feel so cleansed from the shedding of tears that you no longer feel the need to repent. Do you know that the Bible says that Esau sought carefully for a place of repentance, sought carefully with tears for a place of repentance and found none? Now that, you look at that and, and a lot of people are intimidated by that verse of scripture. They think that means that God forsook him, that God abandoned him, that God said, oh, I want nothing to do with Esau so he can, he can cry all he wants to and this God who is merciless. Let me tell you something, the mercy of the Lord endureth forever. It wasn't that God wouldn't have mercy. It was that Esau would come cry about it, but never change. You can cry all you want. You can feel as sorry as you feel. You can tell God how sorry you are. You can tell him a hundred times. You can apologize. But repentance is when you stop. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. Repentance is when you turn your back on wickedness and you walk toward righteousness. Let me tell you what repentance deals with. Repentance deals with sins in the future. Now, I don't mean that if you repent now, then you don't have to worry about nothing in the future. No, what, what I, what I, what, well, I kind of do mean that, except let me clarify. Because if you actually do repent and you actually stop sinning, that's what takes care of the future sin. Not that you can sin and be fine and you're good to go and you can do whatever. You, no, 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 no. The fact that you have stopped sinning, that you've walked away from sin. You say, well, what if I do commit sin? If you commit sin, confess your sin to God. He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin. Repent again. See, when Moses needed water, he smote the rock and water came forth. And that rock was Christ. And that smiting was a type and a shadow of when Jesus was crucified upon the cross and he was buried and he rose from the dead. That water coming forth, that's, that's Jesus explained that when we talked about water, we were talking about the spirit. The spirit, is, the Bible says that it shall be in you a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus said, he that believeth on me as the scripture hath said out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit. So that water that flows out of your belly, it, it, it was being foretold in that water that was coming out of the rock that Moses smote. So that is, if you please, an illustration of what it's going to be like to, for Jesus to die, be buried, and be resurrected from the dead. And it is an illustration of what it's going to be like when you identify with that death, burial, and resurrection as repentance and baptism in his name and being filled with his spirit. But then there was another time when Moses needed water. And... And so he, he needs more water. And he goes back to the rock. And you know what the Lord told him? The Lord said, don't smite it this time. Don't smite it this time. That type has already been established. You don't have to smite it now. So what is that telling you? That's telling you, you don't have to get back in these waters. You, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you don't have to get baptized in Jesus' name again. And so don't smite it this time. Just speak to it. So when you struggle in the future, when you repent of your sins and are baptized in his name and filled with the Holy Ghost, and if you have a struggle in your life, you can go to God, have a little talk with Jesus. Hallelujah. Repent again. Make it right with God. Confess your faults to him, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. Praise God. So repentance is what's going to give you power for down the road, when you are tempted again, you will have repented of your sins, which means you have stopped your sinning. So now the temptation comes to you as a total foreign experience. No, no, I, I, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. I'm not being involved with that anymore. Why? Because I have repented of my sins. I have turned my back on this stuff. Praise God. So if you're here tonight and you're struggling with sin, repent. If you struggle tomorrow, repent. If you struggle the next day, repent. 
repentance is going to deal with turning your back on sin and it's going to give you power as you go forward with every temptation that comes your way. When the temptation comes, run from it. You know what the scripture says about fornication? Flee fornication. It doesn't say barter with it, negotiate with it, deal with it, cope with it, manage it. No, flee. Run. Run. Don't walk. Run. Get out of that situation. Get away from that set of circumstances and run for your life. Run for your eternal life. Flee, flee. Flee fornication. And so that's what repentance is. But repentance is incomplete until you are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now what baptism in Jesus' name is going to deal with just as repentance is going to deal with future sin because you're turning your back on it. Understand that when I say repentance is going to help you deal with future sin, not because it covers future sin, but because it gives you the ability to turn your back on it. If you turn your back on sin, then you're not sinning. Baptism in Jesus' name is what gives you power over sins you've already committed. See, we're used to the concept of mercy. But mercy is just that. It's just mercy. It's just by the mere goodness of God that mercy exists. It doesn't have to exist. Mercy doesn't have to exist. You and I have a sin on our record. Uh, you don't have to raise your, well, actually, let's do see a show of hands. How many have ever sinned before? My goodness, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, yeah, I, I'm so sorry that, that you know you thought that you thought you thought you had that hidden and nobody knew you ever sinned and and here you just got outed. We've all sinned, the Bible says. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you know what that means? That means you don't get to go to heaven, and I don't get to go to heaven. That's what that means. Sin is on our record. It is on the pages of our life it is set it is established that we have sinned and that disqualifies us no sin will enter that city baptism in Jesus name deals with sins of the past because it puts you into the name of the one who committed no sin and now you're covered with his name. And when you stand before that judgment seat of Christ, praise God, you don't stand there as the one who has sin on your record. You stand there as the one who does not have sin on your record. Hallelujah. That's what baptism in Jesus' name does. It covers the sins of your past. It covers the sin record. It blots out. That's what the remission of sins is. It is the blotting out of your transgressions. It means your sins are expunged. It means your sins are erased. They are removed. It's like it didn't happen. That ought to get down into the core of your being and give you a reason to shout, to praise unto God for the rest of your life. If you knew how egregious and horrible and horrific your sin really was in the context of eternity you would never stop praising his name for the fact that he washes your sins away you live in a society that's encouraging you to sin so you've begun to think that sin isn't all that bad everybody makes mistakes yeah and everybody will go to hell if it wasn't for the mercy of Jesus Christ so so don't get all complacent with your praise unto God because his goodness hallelujah is what washes our sins away hallelujah my goodness my goodness my goodness. Oh, God, don't ever let me grow complacent with my praise unto you. I want to praise you all the days of my life because you took my sin away. You dealt, you dealt with the sins of my past. What a miracle that is. You can't go back and fix stuff. You can't do that. You're, you're here. You're, you're here today, September 7th or 6th or whatever this is, 2023. You're here right now. You can't go back to 2017 and fix stuff. You can't go back to 2014 and change what you did. That's on your record. It is.
is by the mercy of Jesus Christ. Glory to God. That you, that the blood of Jesus can go back into your past and wash those sins away. My God. And when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, I'm telling you the judgment seat of Christ is a real thing. I'm telling you it's a real thing. I'm telling you that it is a real thing. And we're all going to have to stand before it one day. And if you're going there on your own merit, you are in trouble. But if you will stand there redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, washed in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, if you'll stand there repentant from your sin, having turned from your wicked ways, I want to tell you what the Bible says. The Bible said, if the wicked will turn from their wicked ways, I will remember their wickedness no more. You know what gives us the ability to lift up our hands and sing for joy and shout unto God with the voice of triumph? Not because we're so worthy, but because Jesus, hallelujah, who is kind, Jesus, who is loving, Jesus, who is tender in his mercy toward us has removed the sin stain from our life. And when I stand before him, my goodness, in judgment, I'm able to stand there pure, sanctified, holy, blameless, innocent, righteous because of what Jesus did upon that cross and what he did by being buried in that borrowed tomb and being raised from the dead, victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I am able to identify with that action through repentance from my sin, baptism in his name, and being filled with his Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. My goodness, I'm in Jesus. I said, I'm in Jesus. I, that's what happened by faith when I was baptized into his name. I'm in Christ. I want you to know that in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And we are complete in him. Not outside of him I'm not complete, but I am complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. The promises of God in him are yea and amen. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Hallelujah. I want you to know that if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things. Woo, I'm going to say it again. All things. All things. All things. I want somebody to let the devil know. All things are become new. You're not bringing up that past mistake to me anymore. You're not going to hit my head with condemnation any longer. All things are become new. Woo, hallelujah. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. My Lord, have mercy. Why don't you look at somebody and just tell them that. Say, you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Glory to God. I feel the Holy Ghost. I'm Listen, you know why you feel the Holy Ghost? Because it's the Holy Ghost that moved on those Old Testament prophets who talked about a wind that filled those old dry bones and they prophesied that the Holy Ghost is coming. It was the Holy Ghost that moved on Joel the prophet when he said, it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God. I will pour out my spirit. What spirit? The Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. What is the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost is the Spirit of the living God. And that Spirit of the living God will come inside of you and will give you power. The power of God. Hallelujah. He'll give you power to overcome temptation. He'll give you power to overcome fear. He'll give you power to overcome anxiety. He'll give you power to overcome unforgiveness. 
He'll give you power. Hallelujah. Can I just testify? He'll give you power to overcome resentment. He'll give you power. Hallelujah. To overcome every principality and or power that tries to drag you down. He'll give you power. Holy Ghost power. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This isn't emotionalism. This isn't hype. This isn't sensationalism. This isn't fairy tale stuff. This is Holy Ghost power. Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Ghost fell, they spake with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In Acts chapter 10, Peter was preaching. What he preached on the day of Pentecost, he preached it at the house of Cornelius. And he was preaching this to a group of Italian people who had gathered together and the Lord was going to fill them with the Holy Ghost and it was going to start the outpouring of God's Spirit upon the Gentile nations and Peter was preaching what he preached on the day of Pentecost hallelujah it worked in Jerusalem it'll work at Cornelius's house and as he's preaching the Bible said while Peter yet spake these words ah he was preaching Jesus that's what we preach we preach Jesus we don't preach anything but Jesus that's all we preach is Jesus. If we're preaching on worship, we're preaching Jesus. If we preach holiness, we're preaching Jesus. If we preach baptism, we're preaching Jesus. If whatever we forgiving, we're preaching Jesus. And while he was preaching Jesus, while he yet spake these words, guess what? The Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word. When the Bible says they began to speak with tongues, do you know what Peter looked at the, those that were gathered together? He said to them, he said, they have received the Holy Ghost as well as we. And then it says this, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Thank you, Jesus. That was the evidence. They heard them speak with tongues. Acts chapter 19, Paul was passing through the upper coasts, came across certain disciples. Upper coast of Ephesus came across certain disciples, found out they were disciples of John. He said, under what then were you baptized? And, and I, I saw something the other day, I loved it. The question, under what then were you baptized? Because that question and answer matters. Hallelujah, that question and answer matters. And there will be people who will tell you that because in Matthew 28 and 19, 18, 19, and 20, where the scripture says Jesus commissioning his disciples, saying to them, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, that that somehow means that you should go recite those words when you're baptizing somebody. That is not what that means. Jesus spoke in parables to his disciples all the time. And his disciples knew what he was saying when others didn't know what he was saying. And Jesus told them how to baptize. And when they walked to the upper room on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they knew exactly what Jesus had commissioned them to do. And that's why to devout, to devout Jews out of every nation under heaven, fulfilling Matthew 28, 19, go ye therefore teach all nations. They have an opportunity now to teach all nations there in the upper room. And Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, because that name is above every name. I said that name is above every name. And at that name, every knee shall bow. And at that name, every tongue shall confess. Hallelujah, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. When Jesus was telling them in Matthew 28, 19, baptized in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, he did not mention a name in that verse because the name was going to be presented on the day of Pentecost. Hallelujah. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, these are not names. He was telling them that the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost has a name. There's a name. This is a name we're talking about. We're not, we're not talking about the recitation of this particular statement. We're talking about the name. And when they walked into that, began to preach that message, 
baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. That is the legal name that has power over the law of sin and death. That is the name that achieved superiority over sin and over death. That is the name that is recognized as the appropriate, proper, authoritative name. And when you step into those waters of baptism and go down into that name, you are acknowledging that you are identifying with the life he lived on this earth and the death he died on the cross and the fact that he was buried in a borrowed tomb and the fact that he rose from that grave. Hallelujah! That's when something happens to the sin that you've committed in your life. The innocence of that name comes upon your name. And you are hidden with God in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. And you are, as many of you as are baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. You've put him on. He's on you now. So, so he's on me. He is covering my life. That's why when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we're talking about his DNA. And so I am covered with the blood of Jesus. I am covered with the DNA of Christ. I am covered with the identity of Jesus. When I step before that judgment seat, it's his DNA that's being judged, not mine. Because that old man Joel died in that watery grave. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And so, so this infilling of the Holy Ghost... This is the spirit of the living God that lives inside of you and gives you power. Hallelujah. When they received the Holy Ghost in Cornelius' house, he said they have, they, they have received the Holy Ghost as well as we and commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. And in Acts 19, when he asked them, under what then were you baptized? That question matters. They said, we were baptized under John's baptism. He said, John baptized people under repentance but he told them something every person that he baptized under repentance he let them know I baptize you with water under repentance but there cometh one after me who is mightier than I whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear whose shoe latch it I'm not worthy to loose and there's there's a lot of Old Testament significance in other words John was saying he's the redeemer I'm not worthy to loose his shoe. He's the one that has the power to redeem you. I'm not worthy to, uh, to loose his shoe latchet. He's the one that has the power to redeem you. And he shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Do you know what? They were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they spoke with tongues. That's the evidence. That's the evidence. Why is that the evidence? Because that tongue, the Bible says, is an unruly evil. Now, I asked a moment ago uh, if anybody had ever committed a sin, and there were a few hands that got raised. Now, here's another question. Now, now be ready. Here it goes. Has your mouth ever gotten you in trouble? Yep. You know why? Because that tongue is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison, sets on fire the course of nature, set on fire of hell. It'll mess everything up. Everything. It'll mess everything up. It'll get you fired from your job. It'll put you back in the doghouse, men of God. You let that, you start, you just start spouting off with your mouth. What's happening? Your tongue is out of control. And, and you know what the Bible tells us? The Bible tells us that the, that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And James explained to us that the tongue is like the, is like the bit that's put in a horse's mouth and wherever the bit is directed, the whole massive body of that horse will follow. And the scripture says that it's like the small helm of a ship and whithersoever the governor listeth and turns that little small helm of the ship, that massive sea-going fleet and vessel will follow that small helm. Your tongue is the same way. Your tongue will control every aspect of your human body. So, so stop just saying whatever you feel like saying and start declaring the Word of God. Hallelujah. Woo. 
Glory, glory, glory. God is good. God is great. He is greatly to be praised. That's the truth. God is good. God is great. He is greatly to be praised. How are you doing? It is well. All is well. I am well. God is on the throne. Everything's going to be all right. I refuse to give utterance to the lies of the enemy. I refuse to give utterance to the accuser of the brethren. I refuse to give utterance to that slanderer named Satan. I'm going to declare the mighty works of God with my mouth. And it starts when you yield your tongue to his spirit. And that spirit of God gets inside of you. The first thing that changes is that your tongue will begin to speak a language. Magnifying God in a language you did not premeditate or predetermine. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's a wonderful thing. My great-grandfather, when he first came to Chicago, uh, maybe you've heard me tell the story. He had repented of his sins. And he is so excited about that great experience of repenting from his sins. And there is something so refreshing about it because you finally stopped sinning. And, and if you don't know how good that feels, you ought to try it. I just, I don't have that weight of condemnation in the back of my mind anymore because I stopped sinning. It's repentance. And he was so overjoyed and he gathered together the Persian mission there in Chicago. He was Persian. He was a first generation immigrant to America from, uh, from what is now Iran, what was then Persia, and he, and he came over to America looking for the American dream, found the Holy Ghost. He repented of his sins, had this little Persian mission of 40 to 50 young men, and he was, he was preaching to them what he knew, which was repentance. He was telling everybody he knew about it, went to see his friend who was in a boarding house in Chicago, the landlady let him in, sat him down in the parlor. She said, your friend will be here in a little while. He said, I'll wait for him. And he sat there, knees bouncing, couldn't wait to tell her about the goodness of God that led him to a place of repentance. And he said that to her. He said, have you ever repented of your sins? She said, I have. He said, isn't it the most wonderful feeling? She said, it is. He said, I love it. I, I, that's what I came to tell my friend about. She said, well, that's wonderful. She said, let me ask you a question. Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? He said, I've not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. She said, you need to go down to the old Pentecostal Holiness Church in, in, in downtown Chicago. He walked into that Holy, Pentecostal Holiness Church, and he said, when he walked in, he was so insulted by what he saw. He said they were running and jumping and dancing and falling out and, and speaking strange gibberish. And as he's looking around, he described it. He said, I, I wanted to get out of there so fast. He said, I... I, I just, it looked sacrilegious to me. It looked disrespectful to me. And, and, and it, but, but, but I was told to come down here and he said, just as I was getting ready to turn to leave, the man standing next to me who was from Chicago, clearly not from my part of the neck of the woods, Iran, started speaking my native language fluently, magnifying God in my language. And he said, I, he listed in his book, he listed all of, the, all of the Aramaic words that the man was saying. And he listed the corresponding English words to what he had said in Aramaic. And he's looking at him and he's thinking, this man is not from Persia. I know he's not. I know he doesn't know Persian that well. And he is speaking the praises of God, tears running down his face. He walked out of there and said, that was one of the weirdest places I've ever been. But it's real. It's real. It's real. It is real. He walked back to that Persian mission and, and he, he said to those young men, he said, listen, we've repented of our sins. But he said, we have to pray now that God will fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they began to pray that God would fill them with the Holy Ghost. They began to have prayer meetings that God would fill them with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he never did tell them they would speak in tongues. He kept that from them on purpose because he didn't want to influence them. And he just simply didn't tell them they would speak in tongues. He wanted to see what would happen. So he never said a word about it. And he just said, let's pray that God will fill us with the Holy Ghost. And when they began to pray, one by one, they began to receive the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. He was the pastor, and he was the last one to get the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to know that it's real. It is real. It's Pentecostal blessing. And it's real. It's real down in my soul. We are a tongue-talking, foot-stomping, hand-clapping, song-singing, shouting church. Yes, we are. Listen. We got to do it all decently and in order. We've got to do it all decently and in order. But you better let that praise go and you better let that worship flow. And people need to walk in here and know I am someplace different. This isn't like every other place in town. They've got something in this place. I'll tell you what it is it is the Holy Ghost and fire. And it's keeping me alive. Be baptized. You want to know what you need to do? Repent. What shall we do? Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And tarry ye for the promise of the Father. Now, it's interesting that Peter would would say this to them. Because Peter was a part of a crowd that was asked the question by Jesus, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? That's what Jesus asked. He was asking, hey, guys, when you're out and about, uh, who are folks saying they think I am? What, what have you heard? This is kind of fun. Tell me some names. And they said, uh, I heard somebody say you were Jeremiah. And somebody else said, I heard somebody say John the Baptist. Somebody said, somebody said you are actual, the, the Elijah that has been promised. And, uh, and then they're like, or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus said, and this is so important. He said, but who do you say? Whew, hallelujah. Because, because you, can, you, can, you can get so caught up in what everybody else is saying. But Jesus wants to know, who do you say that I am? And Peter shouted out, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the long-awaited one. The son of the living God. And Jesus said, Blessed art thou, Simon Bar-Jonas, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven, he has revealed it unto thee. And he said, I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. My goodness, that was a profound statement. So on the day of Pentecost, when he was asked, what shall we do? You've got to remember, he was being asked, what shall we do? Because they were just learning. They missed it. Messiah came and left. Messiah came. The kingdom had come. The door was shut. Locked. Dead bolted. Too bad. So sad. And what are we going to do? And Peter said, well, the door's locked kingdom shut you crucified the master the messiah came you killed him but you know what i remember when he gave me some keys he i just let me see if i can find these there's here someplace let me see where i could find these keys there's someplace he gave me these keys and here are the keys repent you want to unlock the door to the kingdom repent Hallelujah. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Those weren't just keys for a one-time experience. Those are the master keys. I said those are the master keys. They don't just get you into the front door. They open up every door in this kingdom. I said they open up every door. And Paul said, I pray for a door of utterance. I'll tell you what will give you a door of utterance. Repentance. Immersion in Jesus' name. Be filled with all the fullness of God. It'll give you a door of utterance. The Lord said to Paul, I have said before thee an open door, but there are many adversaries. I'm going to tell you what will absolutely push through every adversary to every open door. Repentance. Immersion in the name of Jesus and being filled with all the fullness of God. That's why, that's why when I face anything, any, any, anything that I'm having trouble navigating and I say, oh God, I need a miracle. Before I ask God for a miracle, I ask God to forgive me. Lord, cleanse my heart. Purify my spirit. Purify my mind. Help me turn away from anything that may be displeasing to you. Even if it's a secret fault that I don't even know exists. 
but it's in my heart lodged somewhere, and I don't even know I have it. Lord, uproot it out of me. I want to tell you, that will unlock every door in this kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. I'm just trying to put some things in your hand that you shall do to inherit the kingdom of God. Praise God. I wonder if we could lift up our hands unto the Lord and give him praise tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Whoo, hallelujah. I want some folks, I want some folks that are thankful for the mercy of God. I want you to just praise him right now. If you're thankful for the mercy of God. Come on, stand with me right now. Lift those hands to heaven. Clap those hands to the Lord. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Worship his holy name. 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 Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I wonder, I wonder if we can just get in Christ for a little while right now. It's one thing to be immersed into him. It's, it's another thing to abide in him. Hallelujah. And to abide in him, you got to dwell in that secret place. Dwell in that secret place of the Most High. And you shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I wonder if we can take a moment right now. Hallelujah. I feel the presence of God. I'm opening these altars. I'm opening these altars for seekers, for people who want to come get close to God. In the name of Jesus. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I'm talking about the power of the name of Jesus. The power of the Holy Ghost. Yes, Lord, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you right now. Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you right now. Let the Holy Ghost get a hold of you right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, let's let the kingdom open up. Let's let the kingdom open up unto us. Woo, hallelujah. Let's let the kingdom of God open up unto us. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Withholding nothing.
bless somebody right now. God wants to bless somebody right now. Come on, I want you to reach out to him in the name of Jesus. I want you to reach out to him in the presence of the Lord right now. Say, God, I need you right now. continuing to pray I want you just to continue to pray I want you to continue to pray but 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 I want to tell you something I want us to pray right now that a revelation of the name of Jesus would sweep across our city that a revelation of the power of the Holy Ghost would sweep across our city in the name of Jesus because flesh and blood can teach it but flesh and blood cannot reveal it it is the Father that reveals it and we need to pray right now in the name of Jesus. Help me pray right now in the name of Jesus. Lord God, give this city a love for your name. Give this city an appreciation and a revelation of your holy name. Lord God, help us to break up the fallow ground of our city. Oh, hallelujah, in the name of Jesus. Oh God, elders who fasted and prayed and sowed seed and preached. Lord God, let us reap that harvest in Jesus' name. Lord God, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let there be a reaping of the harvest, oh God.
that's it. That's it. Press into his presence. Press into his presence. Let the Lord do something tonight. Life changing. Life changing. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.